Hello and happy podcast day. I am Chrissy Bakke. I am the hippie Christian who cares. And I just want to say, if you want to talk to God, pray. If you want God to talk to you, read your Bible. Sounds corny, but it's true. And I'm a giant fan and kind of a geek Bible reader. And honestly, the pandemic came and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get so much Bible reading in. Mm -mm. Nope. I don't know what has happened to me, but as I have become sort of a hybrid worker who occasionally goes into work, but mostly works from home, I have lost all my sense of order sometimes, and I have gotten way off track in reading my Bible. But I also had a reader, not a reader, for heaven's sakes, a listener who asked for a little Bible tutorial um, and said, you know, maybe go through like books of the Bible and tell us what they're all about. Well, I'm not sure I'm anyone to tell you anything. However, I will give you a little bit of an account, and I think we only have time for Old Testament. So this could be a two-part series. So um, let's do it. Let's go through the Bible, the Old Testament, hippie Christian style. So I'm going to apologize in advance if you hear like pages turning because I am truly and honestly going through my most favorite Bible. Yeah, I actually have favorite Bibles. I've gotten real geeky and the Bible that I chose to read first, I always jokingly call it the Lutheran Bible. It's the Concordia Self-Study Bible. It is absolutely published by Lutherans. I'm pretty sure. I don't even know if that's true, so I can't really say that. But every chapter of the Bible, every book of the Bible, I should say, because the Bible's made up of like a series of books, but has like an introduction, God's grace in Genesis, and then it has Luther on Genesis makes me giggle a little bit because like Luther doesn't get to have all the um, say about the Bible, but because this is a Lutheran Bible emphasis on Luther's thoughts and like the hippie Christian, it is just his thoughts and they're good thoughts and they're sound thoughts and lots of good stuff in it. But take what you like and leave the rest. Not so much in the actual Bible, but in the pre-introduction to each chapter, um, no matter what Bible it is. If it's Eugene Peterson's The Message, um, if it's one from your Assembly of God church where somebody has written thoughts about the particular book. But the cool part is get a whole bunch of people together that have different Bibles and different versions and whatever. And as you read the different translations, you will see that the message rings true. Like you just can't change the message of Jesus Christ. So there are 39 books in the new 
in the Old Testament. And I'm just going to say, reading the Bible is quite honestly like running a half marathon or a marathon. I wouldn't know what a marathon is like because that is just insane. I'm only half crazy as um, I think it was Phil Dunphy said on Modern Family. But 13.1 is kind of crazy too. And I've done that a few times. And I've also read the Bible a few times. I used to really brag about my Bible reading and it got real embarrassing because then it was when I was doing youth group and I'd tell the youth group kids and I would tell them because I just wanted to encourage them to read the Bible, but it got real braggy and I apologize for that. Sorry, God. But then it got to the point that they would brag on me and that then I was like, okay, that's enough because that's not what it's all about. I can tell you that in the times that I've read the whole entire Bible, I know, bragging again, truth be told is every single time, including tonight's um, preparation, something is revealed to me that is amazing. And when I say something like God is revealed to me, how cool is that? So let's just get started with the beginning. And um, I love saying that because I was trying to be like all punny as in funny and a pun on words because let's start at the beginning because the first three words of the book of Genesis, which a Genesis is a beginning, is in the beginning. And it's a great place to start. Genesis and Exodus are packed full of Sunday school stories. And if you are a if you grew up going to church, chances are you are going to be like, oh my gosh, they didn't tell me that in Sunday school. Yes, we absolutely sugarcoat Sunday school stories because we have to. Kindergartners and first graders and even fifth graders can't really fully fathom and maturely understand all the dynamics that were involved with those Sunday school stories. Some of them are real sketchy. So Genesis, Exodus, full of it. Genesis, certainly creation is in there. Um, you also have um, Noah in there. Exodus, Moses, like, oh my goodness, the whole story of Moses. And it is amazing. I think God knew I was going to just drag that right out and he cut me off because I was right on the verge of a sneeze and it was a good way to say like Exodus was amazing and me not continue to be like blah, 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 blah. But seriously, the Exodus getting the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and guiding them to a promised land offered by God himself. Interestingly enough, the next book of the Bible is Leviticus, and it is messed up. That's Chris Bakke speaking, hippie Christian, just saying. But what I always find interesting is when I'm like, Ugh, 
this, like if you can get through Leviticus and Numbers, I am telling you, you can get through the Bible. That whole, it's like a marathon kind of thing. You know how like there are just those moments um, in the marathon, like you're starting and it's the beginning and you're super happy and everything is great and all these stories and you're going along and it's feeling good. And, you know, first, you know, 5K is just hunky-dory. And then you get to Leviticus and you're like, what did I sign up for? And numbers, you're like, whoa, this is crazy. I didn't ask for all these hills and valleys and weird things. So that's my, um, it's like a marathon kind of thing. Plus it takes a long time and, and you're sort of in this whole training thing. And I think the Old Testament trains us for the New Testament. It does. It really does. But what I love, so Leviticus ends up being an extension of the Ten Commandments. And any pastor who is listening, if you feel like I'm wrong, I am begging you to call me or email me, hippychristian at gmail.com. No, that's a lie. Sorry, I mess it up all the time. I wish it was that. But no, I did the whole sentence. And that's why I have to tell people when I give them my personal email. I'm sorry, it's a full entire sentence. HippieChristianWhoCares at gmail.com. And then, I'm, and then, of course, I'm like, um, I wasn't really thinking about it. Well, I was. I wanted Hippie Christian, but it was already taken. And I did a podcast. It's called Hippie Christian Who Cares. And so I did an email, HippieChristianWhoCares at gmail.com. So that's my whole story. But yeah, if you think that I am wrong about it being sort of an extension of the Ten Commandments, it's just a humongous set of rules and laws. And there's the then and there to the Bible and the here and now. The then and there has to do with things that were happening at that time. I always bring up crucifixion because... Even in uh, um, in a death row sentence situation, we don't crucify people anymore. Um, so that was a then and there. Um, and I think Leviticus has a whole lot of that. What I'd like to point out to you on my very quick synopsis is in Leviticus 11... Verse 45, it says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Interestingly enough, Leviticus 19 verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So amongst all these rules, we often pick and choose which of those rules still stand and which are probably no longer necessary for a wide variety of reasons, including things that we eat and, and the way we process bodies and touching dead people and all kinds of weird stuff like that. But be holy because 
I, the Lord your God, am holy. Anytime God is speaking or Jesus is speaking, I feel like those hold a lot more weight. So let's move on to numbers. And numbers is legit where they're doing a whole lot of counting of people and sort of um, sort of like the census of the Bible. And it's real boring. I know, I'm sorry I am saying that out loud, but it is just a lot of, a lot less storytelling and a lot more, this is sort of how things go. And, I mean, and there is some things in there. Um, I'm pretty sure the whole um, talking donkey is in numbers. Not at all a joke, I swear to you. And I think numbers also has the whole um, beautiful blessing of um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Pretty sure that's in numbers too. Forgot to put my bookmark in it though. So got to move on. Deuteronomy. Oh my goodness. Deuteronomy is really where Moses gives the baton because they're running a marathon relay. Ha ha ha. That's just a joke, but um, I think that's funny tying that whole marathon in. But seriously, it's where he sort of hands over the baton um, to Joshua. And so Moses ends up um, dying and he does not get to go to the promised land because he ended up um, legit messing up. The Ten Commandments are listed in Deuteronomy. They have been given, but they are listed in Deuteronomy. So um, that is a key part of that. Also too, this is so central to Jewish religion and it would become pretty core in Christian religion too. Um, it's Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. So cool because Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. And so that it, and when I am flipping through my Bible, um, clearly Deuteronomy is a favorite. I j jokingly say that I kind of, um, fangirl over, um, Joshua 
I think it came from the Ten Commandments and I the movie The Ten Commandments. Um, Joshua played was played by Dot um John Derrick. And I've said this before. Google him though, and old John Derrick, clearly not as beautiful as young John Derrick. Welcome to aging. It happens to all of us. Um, but young John Derrick, Ten Commandments, Joshua gorgeous. So that's where my brain always goes. So after Deuteronomy actually comes the book of Joshua. And if you went to Sunday school, um, you might know that Joshua was the commander in chief of Jericho. Um, I really want to sing that song, but I will hold off. But the walls did come tumbling down and there are tons of good stuff in Joshua and Joshua interestingly enough also has a situation kind of like parting of the Red Sea only they crossed the Jordan and Joshua does lead everybody into the promised land and again good, good stuff. There's even chapter 10, the sun stands still. So if you're a science geek, Joshua has some pretty cool, like God is in charge of science. And I always crack up for the people that um, try to memorize all the books of the Bible. I can't do it. I really can't. I've tried even when I was younger and not quite so like headed for a demented state of life. But even when I tried, however, I can definitely tell you the three after Deuteronomy because it's a sentence and it's Joshua judges Ruth and Joshua doesn't judge Ruth because I don't think he was super judgy, but, um, judges just happen to come next. And so judges are, people that were able to help create a little bit of law and order, so to speak, um, which makes sense because they're judges, right? And it, it just speaks of, you know, what was happening and what was going on. And it gives some specific um, judges. What I super crack up to is, and I don't really know that wasn't really appropriate. I don't super crack up over the fact that there's a prophetess named Deborah. But it is one of my favorite stories because it is one of the weirder ones. So Deborah um, is a prophetess and she goes to... Um, the um Barak, who is um like a commander of like the armies and stuff, and she says, Hey, the Lord God of Israel commands you, go take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and the lead and lead the way to Mount Tabor, and I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops, um, to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. And you know what Brock says to her? Well, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Oh my gosh. That's what you say like when you're 
10 and like somebody tells you to go ask your dad something and you'll be like, well, come with me. If you go with me, I will. Or like, huh? like girls, like, Hey, can you go to the bathroom with me? Like seriously, so lame. And very, and Deborah says very well, I'll go with you. But because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. It's a great story. And the girl, the girl's name is JL. And whoa, read it. It's chapter four of Judges. Epic. OMG. She is a bad. Well, you know what the next part of that saying is. And this is a family friendly thing. She's just a bad warrior girl that stands up for what is right. Um, Gideon is also in Judges, and you might know of Gideon because of Gideon's Bibles, and um, they named that after um, the warrior Gideon, which was awesome. So we'll move on to Ruth after Judges, because remember, Joshua judges Ruth. He doesn't know. So don't even get that in your head. It's just easy to remember. But Ruth is one of my favorites because Ruth is a story about a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And I do actually think of my mother-in-law when I read this because I love her. And when I met my husband, I was going to the same church as his parents didn't even realize it. It was no ploy on my part. I met my husband at the bear trap. I don't think it was called the bear trap at the time, which is a bar by the way. And, um, there was three bars in the town that we live in, the looking glass legends, and then the bear trap and the bear trap kept changing names I don't even know why, but it was the Hall of Foam. Um, boy, I can't even remember. Um, Willoughby's or Wallabies, something like that. Oh, man. Judy, not calling you out in any way, shape, or form. I know you work there, so you're going to have to help me on remembering. Susie, you might have been there once or twice. Um these are good friends. And of course my sister Susie and they're not bad people. Judy worked there and Susie, I believe delivered Bible literature to people there. No, I'm just kidding. We all had fun there because it was called the Barmuda Triangle. And you know what? Christians like to have a beverage now and then like to have fun, get out, enjoy people, right? Jesus, Jesus drank too. It's all good. Just don't over drink or be over served or do bad things when you're drunk or don't, I mean, not when you're drinking, when you're drunk, you shouldn't get drunk. That's, you know, that's the over served part. Oh, I'm digging myself into a hole. Anyways, my mother-in-law doesn't drink. That's not even where I'm going, except that she went to my church. I met her husband, her husband, not her husband, my husband at the bar and 
we lived happily ever after. But the funny thing is, is Ruth is the daughter-in-law to Naomi. That just got so convoluted and I should for sure re-record, but I'm 16 minutes into this section of um, telling about my Bible longer in the whole podcast, but that's just too many minutes to go back on. So Naomi is married. She has two sons. Her sons grow up. They get married to Orpah. And you might know of Oprah Winfrey, who was named after Orpah, only they spelled it wrong on her birth certificate and it became Oprah. Anyways, Orpah and Ruth, their husbands died. So Naomi's husband died and her two sons die. And, and it's also a famine. So now she's super sad. And she's like, girls, go back to your families. Like I'm old. And even if I got married today and happen to have two kids super fast, they're not going to, what are you going to wait? What are you going to wait for like 18 years to marry my sons? Like you're going to be old. This is going to be crazy. And I, I probably can't even have kids anymore. So this is nuts. So go back to your family. And Ruth says, no, we're not going to. And Oprah says, okay. I think she just saw the writing on the wall, you know? And so she did. But Naomi says, Ruth, your sister-in-law, she's going back like get it together. And Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That's so sweet. And she was talking to her mother-in-law. A ton of people use that um, at their weddings, which is cool too, because it's beautiful, but it was really about the mother-in-law. And I think that's beautiful. Um, Ruth meeting um, Boaz, some pretty cool stuff going on in there. And it gets real interesting. I'd say sketchy, but I don't know if that's really the right word. Um, but anyways, Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, but she got a little aggressive in that whole, um, encounter. And I think that is, um, fun. One time I was reading the Bible on an airplane. I was going somewhere. And so I'm reading the Bible and the, um, flight attendant goes by and he was a male and he looked down and he says, Oh, um, got a reading a little bit of scandal, um, little 50 shades of gray. And I'm like, no, it's actually the Bible. But let me tell you, there are plenty of sexy, sketchy things in here. He started busting a gut. I don't think he believed me. Um, next is first Samuel and second Samuel and first Samuel is the story of how um, Samuel became a prophet. And so you're, there's lots of prophets in the Bible. Um, 
Samuel was one of the first prophets and Samuel has to basically is going to God on behalf of the people. And he's talking about like, they're tired of judges and they want a king like other, like other countries have Kings. And honestly, it's so disrespectful because God is their King. God is their deliverer. He is the almighty, all powerful. And yet they want, they want human Kings. Um, Samuel is born um, from Hannah, who pleads to God to please let her have a baby and that she will even give the baby back to God. And she, in fact, does. And so Samuel, um, the whole um, story of Samuel, Samuel growing up and um, being a prophet and Samuel does in fact, um, talk to God and he's frustrated. He's like, this is crazy. And God says, give the people what they want. Trust me, they'll regret it. Interestingly enough, Saul appoints Saul, Samuel appoints Saul. Saul is the first king and after Saul would come King David. And so when you get to Second Samuel, you, um, it is much of the story about how Samuel, how David becomes king and the whole pursuit of Saul, just a big dynamic about Saul who ends up turning not good. He goes from being a great king to a very poor king. And then there's David and David becomes an amazing king. And David has lots of sons and many of their son, many of his sons, not so good. But then there is King Solomon. And so Solomon um, eventually becomes kings. So the next two chapters are first kings and second kings. And oh my goodness, on one hand, I find, found it to be just like a big, huge history lesson. But on the other hand, it is really, really interesting. And when you start to think like, whoa, the world's a really messed up place, read the Old Testament. Boy, the world has been a messed up place ever since Adam and Eve decided not to obey God. And from that moment on, we have been messed up. And if you, and it is that history repeats itself situation. Next is First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. And I giggle because remember that these are books of the Bible and not necessarily um, consecutive um, stories. So. First Chronicles and Second Chronicles sometimes just 
feels sort of like a recap of David's life. And it touches on a lot of things that 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel don't. But sometimes you're like, okay, I'm a little bit confused because did that happen first and then this? And so honestly, my next time I read the Bible, I believe the version I'm going to get is a chronological version. They make that. Somebody took the time to figure out how to timeline it and put it all together. And I think that would be a really cool way to read the Bible. I'm going to give you a little bit of break and give you a fun commercial to listen to. It's the same one. Next up is Ezra. And Ezra is a prophet. And it's a pretty, I feel like it's a little bit of a shorter book. But I always look at the things that I have highlighted in Ezra. Uh, and it's just a good one. And that is Ezra chapter 8, verse 23. So we fast, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this. And he answered our prayer. I think I highlighted this in purple just for the record, because when you are praying with intent and when you are fasting, that is with intent. And when you are petitioning God, really asking him and coming to him very specifically he hears our prayers and he answers them. And I think that is so amazing. And so Ezra obviously doesn't have a giant impact on me, which I'm almost embarrassed to say. But part of it is also Ezra's the first prophet after the Israelites had been taken captive in um, Babylonia. And so this is now sort of, these are prophets that are sort of rebuilding. And as always, dramatic pause, really drink of water, pointing to Jesus. So after Ezra comes Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is all about rebuilding um, the temple wall and, and rebuilding the temple. And Nehemiah gets... Um, he's under the, um, he's working for the king of Babylonia and they actually allow him to come and help build the wall. He actually gets really bullied during that too and just holds up and stands tall and all is good. Um, next after Nehemiah is Job, J-O-B. It's not the book of Job. It's the book of Job. And I made the mistake one time of putting that um, on my Facebook page because it might have been in my um, sort of braggy state. I said something like, I don't like something like crazy day, blah, 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 blah. Um, next chapter dot, 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 J-O-B. 
I got like four texts and call a couple calls on, oh my gosh, are you quitting your job? And one of them was a pastor's kid. And I am like, you are a pastor's kid. It's job, not job. And so I was cracking up, but it was kind of out of context. So it was kind of like my bad, but I love Job lots and lots and lots of lessons in Job. Um, lessons on trusting God and loving God. Lessons on grief. Lessons on listening to God and not to um, your friends. And a lesson in that God is God and he doesn't owe us any explanation, but he's amazing and so almighty. Job, really not an easy book to read, but if you ever have an opportunity to do a Bible study on it, big shout out to Amy Nelson at our church because holy smokes, she did a real bomb.com. That's not even a website, I don't think. And if it is, like, hopefully they don't sell bombs. That would be embarrassing. But, you know, when you say you're the bomb.com, it's probably super 1980s of like, you're really cool. Maybe it's the bomb diggity. I don't know, right? How embarrassing are these things? What do you say these days? I think you're the vibe. And Amy Nelson was definitely the vibe. That's for sure. So move on. Job was good. Next comes, um, after Job comes the Psalms. And let me tell you, oh my goodness, there's so, so, so many of them. And I was adding in a couple extra so's because I was trying to dig for, um, how many there actually are. And I couldn't fumble it enough fast enough to make that smooth transition, but there's 150, 150 Psalms. Um, Psalm 119, world's longest Psalm. Um, but wow. Psalm 34 is so good. Um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That was the one that I was just super struggling to come up with. Um, what the, nickname for it was yeah the nickname for it is psalm 23 embarrassing um but like i said this one i have just highlighted the heck out of it it that's funny right highlighted the heck out of it just so so many good ones and like every emotion happy sad stressed um worried, um, beat down, everything, thankful, grateful. It's all in there. And in Psalm 10, 14, but you, O oh God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. I mean, and then Psalm 13, 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. So many good things. You have made this one Psalm 7, 16. 
1611, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I mean, am I right? Good, good, good stuff. And if you're, if you're just new at reading the Bible, boy, I would suggest a psalm a day because that alone is like God speaking so directly to you. They serve as prayers. They serve as songs. So good. After Psalms comes Proverbs, and it is kind of like the Bible's fortune cookie. Somebody's going to kill me for saying that and be like, that is blasphemy. I think it's hilarious because seriously, I'm just going to read a couple to you and it'll make you giggle. Like, Imagine, like, click, that's me breaking open my fortune cookie from Proverbs 15, 13. And you read it and it says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Click, that's another one opening. And this one is from Proverbs 14. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Mm. Yeah brutal, right? Cool part about Proverbs is you can take a month to go through Proverbs because there are 31 Proverbs. And so um, it ends with sayings of King Lemuel. And starting with verse 10, it is the epilogue called the wife of a noble character. And it talks about a woman of God. And if you are a girl, sorry for those, Brian and Paul and any, and Bob and any of the other male listeners that I have, that I am not naming you by name, um, maybe Pastor Mark and Pastor Brad, I hope you listen. If you don't, that's okay. Pastor Dean might listen occasionally. Um, Brad Pitt. I'm thinking occasionally he might dial in. He, I don't know. It doesn't get, it just gives demographics. And I see that there's a demographic that could be Brad Pitt. I'm not saying he does or doesn't for sure. It's not like an endorsement. I'm just saying it could be. Probably not Donny Osmond, although it could, but I believe Donny Osmond is a Mormon, and so he might not listen to the hippie Christian. But maybe he would. You know, he's kind of maybe loosey-goosey. I don't know. Donny, what do you think? Marie, maybe? I did love them as a couple. Not as a couple, but as a couple that did their show. That just sounded weird. They're not a couple. They just partnered to do a variety show embarrassing. Just stop talking. The truth be told, though, is if you're a girl, Proverbs 31 is excellent godly advice on how to be a woman of God. Um, she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. 
Um, it also says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Um, she speaks with wisdom and instruction is on her tongue. Yeah. Instead of like my rambling tongue, calling Donnie and Maria a couple embarrassing, not perfect trying, right? Ecclesiastes is King Solomon writing about life and it's so good. And if you are in the demographic of un over 40, you probably have heard the birds turn, turn, turn. Um, and if you haven't Google it, Google um, the song Turn, 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 because they cannot truly and honestly claim to be the lyricists because a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. That's pretty much the lyrics of that song and it's biblical and it is so cool. And the truth is, and I don't know if you're now, if you're younger than 40, um, or older than 40, I'm going to say both because there is Footloose with Kevin Bacon. And then there is Footloose without even know who the kid was in the second Footloose. I just know that, um, Derek Huff's sister was in it too. But anyways, I know that Dennis Quaid was the dad preacher hottie. Anyways, um, Kevin Bacon as, um, Ren in the movie Footloose brings up the, um, Ecclesiastes and he's specifically talking about a time to mourn and a time to, um, not mourn. Time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Because remember in Footloose, they couldn't dance. And so, yeah. Anyways, Ecclesiastes, the whole point of it is the everything in the world is pretty much pointless. So God is what matters. Song of Songs is also supposedly written by King Solomon. And it is a little bit strange a whole lot of sexy in there and it super poetic and i think that it's really god's love song to us all in how 
God looks at the church like his bride. Um, but I think there's also a message of faithfulness and monogamy in there and that sex is intimate and meant for one and not lots. And we're just not even going to get into all of those kinds of conversations because this is a PG-13 show. I say PG-13 because sometimes we do talk about stuff that's a little bit above a 12-year-old's, I mean, below a 12-year-old's capacity. But then again, I probably am equivalent to a 12-year-old. So <laughs> anyways, let's move on because now we start getting into some pretty major profits. I stole that because the truth is there's sort of the major profits and the minor profits. And it doesn't mean the minor profits are lesser. I think it's the sort of the meat and potatoes kind of situation of majors had some big, big stuff to point to. Um, and the minor profits, um, shorter books, um, still pointing to Jesus, but maybe not with as much emphasis. I don't know. Once again, pastors correct me. It's all good. It's my version of this whole chapter thing. Okay. So take it for what it's worth. But Isaiah is like straight up pointing to Christmas and to um, baby Jesus and In the old, in the New Testament, when we talk about that at some point in time, you are going to f realize like, oh my gosh, like they just quote the Old Testament all the time. Yeah, because that was their Bible. That was their scripture. So important to them. They are doing like what we do when we say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, blah, 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 except you don't say that. But for them, they were quoting the scriptures that they knew and the word of God. And we do that today, but our scriptures are in, include the son of God, Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% human. So Isaiah in chapter 9, 6 says, for us, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and, the, and peace, there will be no end. <sighs> Yay, for baby Jesus. So Isaiah is full of um, prophecy that points to Christ. And it is so incredible to read. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet and mostly because he has to continue to deliver bad news. But he, but when God calls Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knows us. He forms us in the womb and he knows exactly what we're going to do. 
And sometimes it's a profit. Sometimes you're a VP of a big company. Sometimes you are helping people with robotics or selling houses. Sometimes you're selling makeup or you are planting plants or you're um, making people beautiful with haircuts or you're in banking um, or you are an art teacher because we all know I love art teachers. Um, Becca, my art teacher friend and Becca, my Excel genius friend. I always describe those two that way because they both are Becca's and they both have amazing talents. So lots of amazing people or maybe you're retired, right, Phyllis? You're still using your talents and God formed you in the room knowing exactly what you would do. Lamentations is more of Jeremiah, but this time he's just lamenting to God. And chapter 3, verse 22 because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That was 22 through 26. So much good things in Lamentations. Um, some of the prophets' stories are hard to read because there's a lot that, that they, I mean, they heard God speaking to them. They got real specific things. And, some, and sometimes it was done in such a almost weird way. Ezekiel is another prophet. And he also points people to Jesus. And he also was trying to, um, like, say, Israelites, like, get it together. Like, figure this out. And he's telling them that there's going to be a promise, the, a promise of return to Israel. And he says, he speaks on God's behalf. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. God says we get to the point where it's like we have a heart of stone because we're just not listening to God. We're not doing what God asks us to do. And he says, I will give you a heart of flesh, a heart that is beating and, um, and pumping blood out and being able to operate and love and follow God and know that he is our God. And so I, that was what I wanted to point out from Ezekiel. Ezekiel's pretty long. Um, and again, just sometimes it's just really hard because there's a lot of history in there. After Ezekiel, Ezekiel is the prophet Daniel. 
I hope everybody just went roar because Daniel in the lion's den. Oh yeah. They didn't eat Daniel. Um, oh yeah. He was like, hello kitty. And, um, the next day the king was freaking out because he actually really liked Daniel. Um, so if you're wondering why I put him in a den with lions, you'll have to read it. But the great news is Daniel did come out of that. Um, prior to Daniel in the lion's den, um, three of Daniel's friends, um, Ashak, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into a fiery furnace. That one's pretty cool too, especially because they come out and they don't even have ashes on their clothes. Crazy how amazing God is. After Daniel um, comes some of the lesser prophets. And there's, again, they're not, they're minor prophets. I think, again, they say that because they're sort of shorter books and um, not quite, um, I, they're still pointing to Christ, so I don't get it. I just know they call them that. But Hosea is one messed up book. Hosea is a prophet that God says, marry this crazy prostitute. And she's, she is definitely a bad girl. Um, Donna Summer sang about her, bad girls. Um, yeah, I'm not going to keep singing, but you know the song. It's really not about Hosea's wife, but her name was Gomer too, which we think of like Gomer on Andy Griffith, but Gomer was a prostitute that married Hosea. And it was so sad because he had to just continue to bring her back home and love on her and forgive her. And it was similar to way, the way that Christ or God, Jesus and God continues to bring us back and to love us. Joel is... Um, pretty short little book. Again, pointing to God. I love the um, verse that is in chapter 2, um, verse 13, rend your, rend your heart and not your garments. So they'd used to tear their garments when they were, you know, in sort of a mode of praying and forgiveness or mourning. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. I also love that um, it speaks of the Holy Spirit in Joel. Joel um, 2, verse 28, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Big deal to call out young people and big deal to call out women because they were seriously second-class citizens. Um, clearly speaks to Christ who poured his spirit out on all. Um, and also in Joel um, chapter 2, verse 32, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
amen to that. Next is the prophet Micah. And I like in Micah, he has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If any of you are Casting Crowns fans, um, and I think some of you are, that's in one of their songs. Again, not going to sing because I don't sing that good, especially contemporary Christian because I'm a dork. And I tend to sing, oh, I can't even come up with it. I was trying to say like um, Irish shanties better. I don't even know if that's a thing. I, I see it on TikTok. It cracks me up. I'm not singing on TikTok though, because I can barely sing on this podcast and people don't have to look at me. So Habakkuk is the next. No, I lied. I lied. Sorry. Um, gosh, I super lied because I'm skipping over. Some of these are so tiny that it's easy to skip. And I was doing my um, bookmarks and I missed Amos, who you might think is famous for cookies. But he was a prophet. And the cool part about Amos is Amos says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. These prophets spoke of Christ and it happened. God knew. And when God gives a word to a prophet and they speak it, it comes true. If a prophet is speaking something not from God, it's not going to come true. All the prophets in the Bible, their prophecies came true. He who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns to darkness and treads the highest places of the earth, the Lord Almighty, the Lord God Almighty is his name. Um, but my favorite in Amos is from chapter 5, verse 14. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Good stuff, right? That was actually the first part of also verse 15. After Amos comes Obadiah. And I just crack up because... Some of these names you just hear often in like Amish. Sorry for that rough transition. Not kidding you. The podcast actually shut me off. So this is going way over our normal time. Hopefully you're still sticking with me, but you know, 39 books is a lot to talk about. Um, Obadiah is next and, um, the very last verse of Ob Obadiah speaks to it. It says, Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. And we know that Christ goes up to M Mount Zion, and there he becomes our Savior. Next is Jonah. And I'm starting to feel like I should hustle through because our the podcast is going so long. But um, you certainly know that Jonah got swallowed by a big fish. Pretty minor considering 
Jonah's behavior, he's lucky, he's lucky to be alive. And then even after the fish vomits him out, Jonah's still belly aching. Um, read it though, because it's so good and it just tells us what a, a good God that we have and a compassionate God that we have and that we don't get to call the shots on God. We don't get to say who gets forgiven or who doesn't. Micah comes after um, Jonah and in Micah, what was the verse that I pulled out of Micah? I, that was what I goofed up. I think I totally pulled out of Micah the same thing. Oh my goodness. I think I skipped because that's where, that's where it says to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Yeah. I think I skipped over and then went to Micah and then realized it. So I messed, I messed that up. Um, but it is, so now I just have to fix my mistake because I don't even know how I made it other than being crazy. Um, Amos Obadiah. Then um, Jonah. Then I should just read right from the table of contents, then Micah. So I must have flipped and skipped and read to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That was the whole casting crowns thing. Then I realized I had skipped. Sorry about my mistake. Again, I didn't go to seminary, so this is just all self-learned kind of stuff. <laughs> nice excuse, right? Then there's Nahum, and Nahum... Um, is his message is um Nahum means to comfort and so he's sort of consoling um Judah and basically saying you know giving the message that God is good he's a refuge in times of trouble he cares for those who trust him after Nahum comes Habakkuk Habakkuk um also is um, one who embraces or clings <clears throat> and um, really in the last chapter he is basically saying that it is it is all God is what we need and though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He's giving comfort and pointing people to God. Zephaniah is um, where he is actually pointing out the judgment of God to say, you know, hey, if you don't follow God, there is consequences. But then he says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. 
he will rejoice over you with singing. So it's not all doom and gloom. Haggai is, um, you know, again, pointing to what's important and um, clearly the coming of the Messiah. I like the part um, in Haggai 1, verse 6 through, just verse 6. You've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill, full fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put in a purse with holes in it. I wrote the word things next to that because it's like they're all worried about what they have, what they're eating, what they're drinking, and they're not putting the emphasis on Christ. Um, but again, a message of hope. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Next is the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah um, is calling for everyone to return to the Lord. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Um, it's that easy. We come to God and he will absolutely come to us. Also in Zechariah, I am going to bring my servant, the branch, with a capital B. And I only crack up because if you are um, parents of littles or grandparents, there's the whole um, like Trolls movie and Justin Timberlake is the voice of Branch. Not Branch with a capital B though. Um, and then after um, Zechariah comes the final prophet and it is Malachi. And a friend of mine one time said, oh my God, who would name their kid Malachi? Like children of the corn? Gross. And I'm like, well, actually it's a prophet in the Bible. So it really had a it was a good name before it was ever a gross name. So for all the kids that are named Malachi, your name is good. But it is absolutely um, one that points to um, even John the Baptist. And this is cool because Malachi is the last prophet in the Old Testament. Um, and there wouldn't be a new prophet until John the Baptist. And in Malachi 3, it says, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And you know, in the New Testament, you may or may not know that, but um, that is exactly what um, John says, that he prepares the way um, for God. So super long podcast. So I would say that's my quick and dirty version of the Old Testament, but it clearly wasn't quick because I was rambling on and on. Sorry about that. Hopefully you did glean some good stuff out of this. And I giggle because glean is a real Old Testament word. Um, find it in the book of Ruth. Remember, Joshua judges Ruth. Good stuff. Am I right? So enjoy. Hopefully this will get you excited to read the Bible. It got me excited to read the Bible. I was way off track on my Bible reading. And um, 
you know, I pray all the time, but if I want to hear God, then I better read my Bible. So love and peace to everybody today. And um, forgive me for all the rambling and the mistakes I made. The beauty of this podcast is I am the hippie Christian who cares. So I care about you, but also who cares what Chrissy has to say. Have a great day, everybody.